The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey today. Hi, I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales from Black writers all over the world. And today I'm here with Samantha Fry, author of Playthings. How are you, Samantha? I am well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. The weather in Texas here is nice today, so I'm pretty excited about that, You know, especially after the ice a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I'm ready for warm weather to be here for sure and it, it's arrived for now usually we have like one more cold snap before it stays warm so we just got to get through that where are you located by the way i am in south alabama oh south alabama how long have you been there did you grow up there well i was born in san antonio oh really and we moved my dad was in the air force and we moved to south alabama after he retired so you've been there ever since huh Yes. I Well, we used to travel back and forth because he didn't, we didn't go overseas with him because my mom was working in Alabama. So we traveled back and forth. And when he retired, he decided to move to Alabama. It wasn't too far from his mom and his family. And it wasn't too far from my mom and her family. So it worked out. Nice. And the beaches are really pretty there. I've seen pictures of my friends visiting there. So I'm thinking, man, maybe I should go out there and go to the beach there. They look really pretty. Are you pretty close to the beach? Well, I'm about uh, 45 or 50 minutes from the beach. So it's not a bad ride. It's a straight shoot from either uh, to Gulf Shores or to Pensacola Beach. Oh, nice. So you have your I'm choice. In <laughs> Good yes, for you. I am in between. <laughs> Good for you. So I'm curious how how growing up as a kid, you know, with a military family, you know, kind of moving around, but, you know, also traveling a lot, how that affected your writing? Well, I, the travel bug kind of bit me because I ended up moving around when I went to, I went to a community college near home. And then I started, uh, I went to New Orleans, which is, you know, fantastic for supernatural writing <laughs> yes. because, you know, there are spirits and, and things everywhere in New Orleans. And then I moved to Miami to get my MFA and it, it has its own spice and flavor. So, you know, the, the travel bug just, it stayed with me. Yeah. So when you wrote Playthings, you know, there's obviously not a lot of travel um, in this piece of fiction, you know, it all takes place in a little girl's bedroom. How did you come up with the idea for this story? Well, it came from a cartoon, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, <laughs> 
I watch a, uh, I watch a lot of, of cartoons and anime. And I, one of my favorite cartoons was Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh, yeah. And there's a character named Elmira. I remember that. that is, yeah. Uh, featured, yeah. And she terrorizes all of the animals. And so I, I, I wanted to come up with a boogeyman story because I had read Stephen King's, one of Stephen King's uh, short stories on a boogeyman. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to make a boogeyman story. And that's what came out of my uh, weekly commute yeah. to and from work. <laughs> well, it's an amazing yeah. story. I love how you kind of turn the boogeyman story on its head um, and, you know, make the little girl the threatening one in this story. Like, how did you yes. come up with that twist? You know, uh I just went along with the Elmira type character. And then I tried to make the boogeyman as scary as I could. Because, you know, when I was little, I was afraid of the dark. Mm-hmm. And it just, when the lights went out, it terrified me. And I had a nightlight. So that's where that Hello Kitty clock came into play <laughs> in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it just, rolled after that I mean I wanted to make the boogeyman the victim yeah to turn it on its ear yeah yeah well I think you were very successful and that's one of the things that I really loved about the story that gripped me about the story that it did not go where I was expecting it to go and you know that that final scene at the end where all the monsters are kind of like you know receding into the dark because they're afraid of this little girl was such a great visual in such a perfect way to end that story. And I'm terrible with story endings. So I really admire people who can write good story endings. So I'm curious, like what made you want to end the story on that note? You know, when I, um, when I start writing a story, I always have the ending in mind. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's for me, well, I'm a weird reader because I read the last two or three chapters of a book before I even start the book. So when I'm in the bookstore, I'll flip to the back of the book and like, how is this you know, story going to end? I'll read the, the little blurb on the jacket and then I'll read the last two chapters and then I'll buy the book. It doesn't <laughs> Which spoil is, it I know for it's you. Weird. <laughs> no, it doesn't because it's not the, it's not the destination, it's the, it's the trip for yeah, me. That's a really when good I'm reading a book. Yeah, I yeah, like that way of looking at it. It's the trip. Yeah, because right now I'm reading Tracy Dion, uh, Legendborn, and the, the last chapter is good, but I got to, I've forgotten what the last chapter is right now. I'm just on the trip. Yeah. And I'm enjoying the trip. And so when I thought of the, the idea of the story, I already had that ending of the monsters being afraid of the little girl. I just had to figure out how they were going to be afraid of the little girl. Right. How to put that into something more visual and tangible. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. like I said, I think that you did an excellent job. Like that final that final sentence is, you know, it's so great. It's so great. Just the way that, that you worded it and, you know, the visual that it gives me is, is, is perfect. Like I said, for the ending of that story, you know, ending with the fear 
of the monsters is, you know, it's something one <laughs> monsters generally aren't afraid of, you know, humans or anything else. And so to end on that note is, you know, especially poignant, but you know, them being afraid of a tiny little girl is, you know, even more compelling, I think. So congratulations to you for nailing that ending. <laughs> that was, that was the perfect ending for that story. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so where are you at in your writing career right now? Well, I took a break when I graduated. So I'm, I'm back in the saddle. I don't know why I took a break. I just, it was about a year or two. Okay. And uh, it, it, I just took a break and I didn't send anything out because I got tired of being rejected and you know, it was frustrating. So I, I took that break, but now I'm back. So hopefully, and, and this was exciting getting accepted, you know? Yeah. So I was excited I'm to back. have the story in my yeah. inbox. So, so thank you for sending it. You know, this is a note to all the writers out there, you know, don't self-reject, you know, yes, you're going to get tons of rejections and yes, that really sucks. Um, but you never know who's going to pick up your story and you know, at least, you know, for me, like, I hope my authors are always happy with the production of their stories. You know, typically I hear that they are. So, you know, that, that that's a great thing. But, you know, I think there are so many stories out there that people don't send me because they're afraid of rejection. And, you know, yes, I do reject stories. You know, don't get me wrong. I don't accept everything that comes my way. But I think there are a lot of writers who don't send me things that I would accept because they're afraid of being rejected. So kudos to you for sending a story, even though you were afraid of rejection. Oh yeah. Rejection is hard. <laughs> it's <laughs> it hard, is. but it you know, that's, that's part of a writer's life and rejection. It does have its uses. It does build that thick skin that mm -hmm. a writer needs to, you know, persevere and actually make it out into the world. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, and I'll be honest, like I am one of those people that like, I don't like playing the publishing game, which, you know, says so much because, you know, I am a publisher. But, you know, one of the reasons that I am a publisher, though, is because I don't like the publishing game. You know, I, one of the things that I do with Nightlight Stories is if I do send a rejection, I'll always put some sort of comment in it on this is why I rejected this story. So it's not just, oh, I'm rejecting your story. You know, you know, if it's just not a good fit for the podcast, but it was a good story, or if there was a problem with the story structure or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, I would say probably 50, 60% of the stories that I reject are good stories. They're just not good for audio because people read stories very differently than they listen to them. Um, you know, if you're reading a story online or in a book or whatever, you know, you can kind of skim through the parts that are less interesting to you. And I think, you know, most writers do that. They don't read every single word that's, you know, put on the page in front of them. But with audio, readers can't skim. And so you have to be able to hold their attention that entire time. You know, every sentence has to do a lot of heavy lifting. And, you know, most of the stories that I get sent aren't written to be produced for audio. You know, they're, they're just stories that have been written in most of the places they're getting submitted to or, you know, online magazines or printed magazines. You know, they're not made to be audio productions, they were never written to be audio productions. And when you write stories like that, it's, it's very different than writing for audio specifically. And so when people send me stories, a lot of times they just don't work 
for audio. You know, they're, they're really good stories. They held my attention. And if I did like a printed magazine, I would accept them. But with audio, like I said, readers can't skim. So the beginning especially has to really grip the listener and compel them to listen to the entire thing. Um, and I think that's easier to do with flash fiction too. So, you know, I think one thing that, you know, maybe would be a good suggestion or suggestion for listeners out there is if you want to get a story published in an audio venue, you know, make sure that your beginning is super compelling and start off with submitting flash fiction. Cause I think it's easier to break in audio with flash fiction because in a flash fiction story, all of your sentences have to do heavy lifting. You know, there's not room for describing, you know, what the little girl's room looks like necessarily, you know, you can throw a few things in there here and there, but you know, you don't want to spend too much time on, there's got to be more emphasis on the action, which is of course what you did with your story. So I'm curious how your MFA has um, affected your writing. Well, oh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, how is how it has affected my writing? Well, I well, it has affected my writing immensely. Uh, I well, according to my bio, I went to Florida International University, and. I took a plot class mm -hmm. and we had to analyze, uh, what did we analyze? We analyzed Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. We, we did a few novels, but it made me go in and think about how I had my anxiety incident, my climax, mm -hmm. my rising action with my conflict. It, it actually made me think about how the story worked and right. not just you know write for feel and you know write it to get it down on paper I, I actually had to analyze my own work which, <laughs> right. is, which is really is is good but it's really weird because you put on that critical eye and you have to you know as Stephen King would say you have to kill your darling yes you have to cut what you don't want to cut and so, yeah, I have a, a story scrap file on flash drive because I, I really don't want to totally kill them, but I, 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 I cut them and put them in a file. Yeah. So it, it made me go back and look at my work. And then as I read, because I, I'm still reading, even though I'm writing, I, I love to read. I look at how the structures of stories work in the novels that I'm reading mm -hmm. yeah and and yeah and I, I go back and I record you know mentally how those stories worked and how they kept me compelled to just turn the page yeah yeah I mean I think that's a really good point though like I feel like as a writer you have to read and you have to read critically you can't just Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the downside, I think, to being a writer is that reading for entertainment is kind of, you know, out the window, if you want to be a good writer, like, yes, you can read for entertainment occasionally, but I feel like all good writers as they're reading, they're analyzing what they're reading, it's really hard to just read for the sake of entertainment, because even if you decide that that's what you want to do, that part of the analytical part of your brain 
creeps through and you know you're right back into you know analyzing well you know what what happened with the oh well why am i still reading after this chapter and you know like what they ended it this way like what if they had ended it this other way and you know you're constantly thinking about the story itself and not necessarily about you know just the entertainment and just sitting back and enjoying the ride um but I do find it interesting too that you know you talked about Stephen King saying "kill your darlings." Um, I envy writers that have these you know scrap files because I'm one of those writers that when I write a first draft, it's never enough. I always have to add to it rather than take away. Like there are very few times that um, you know I kill my darlings, so to speak. You know I don't I don't often kill sentences. Um, you know, obviously I kill characters, you know, I write horror, but, <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't, you know, take away lots of sentences, you know, I'll replace them with things, you know, I'll say them in a different way, but generally everything I write in that first draft stays there in some form or another, and then I just need to add more detail to it. And I'm always amazed when I hear writers say, well, you know, I wrote this story that was supposed to be 5,000 words and it ended up being 10,000 words. And so I have to figure out a way to cut 5,000 words. And I'm like, I wrote a story that is 2,500 words and needs to be 5,000 words. Like, how do I come up with another 2,500? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where like the grass is always greener on the other side, so to speak, but it, it's so foreign to me when people talk about these, you know, scrap files where they have like all these sentences and, you know, things that they've cut from their other stories. Cause I don't have one of those. <laughs> Like it just doesn't exist. So do you write um, anything other than horror? I actually have a fantasy novel going. All I right. actually have two. I have two. I finished one and it is in the revising process. And I have two chapters of the sequel left oh, nice. to write. And I did not write them in order. So I have a gap between chapters. <laughs> That's okay. But I know how write that way. It it they do they do, but I know how the novel ends. So right. it, the ending is is in my head. I just have to put it on paper. Right. You got the destination in mind. You just got to figure out the journey. I think it's great yes. to answer that question that way because I was also going to ask you if you write long fiction or if it's just short fiction that you write. So can you tell us a little bit about your fantasy novel? Well, my fantasy novel, it takes place in uh, South Alabama, a combination of South Alabama, Northwest Florida, okay. because, you know, we're trying to make it urban. Well, it's kind of urban, but kind of country, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the main character is a uh, elemental and mm -hmm. she can control water, but she has this little side power where she can take the memories from people and put them in the form of gemstones oh that's cool and she she happens to steal someone's memories and so it's kind of like a chase slash love story going on and on top of that she hasn't been taught to harness or use her powers so she's kind of a threat to all of the other magical um creatures slash beings in the world yeah. yeah so she's being hunted and she's being chased by this guy that she stole the memories from and it's 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 interesting because I got that from another cartoon <laughs> <laughs> which cartoon did you get that one from 
Well, my brother and I were sitting one night and we were watching Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. That's awesome. I love and it. And it was, yeah, it, it, it's, it's about the Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gave me this idea and I, I wrote it down and I just let it sit and marinate for a little bit. And then I went back to it one day when I was sitting in my office and, and I just started writing on it. Yeah. And I, I had this idea of a guy that confronted this, this woman, the main character about his memories. And then it just took off from there. I think that I think it's great that you get all these ideas from cartoons like I'm fascinated by this because I've never heard a writer I mean you know comic book writers yes you know they'll they'll get lots of ideas from cartoons but you know fantasy and horror writers there's there's really not a lot of horror cartoons out there you know so and you know there are a lot of fantasy I mean anime is mostly you know fantasy but um I, I I just find it fascinating that you get your ideas from from cartoons and it makes me want to watch more cartoons and find some inspiration there you know cartoons and a few nightmares that i've had (laughs) there you go mix your cartoons and your nightmares that's a great you know that's great advice for writers we should get that on a t-shirt you know mix cartoons and your nightmares you know as a recipe you know like do it like a little recipe card you know one part cartoon one part nightmare you know equals fantasy novel (laughs) you know I yes. love it. I love it. I cannot wait to see what else you come up with. Do you have any other short stories out there in the world that we can read or listen well, to or watch right now? I I don't right now, but I am still submitting. I'm revising and submitting everything because um my MFA was a book of short stories. Oh yeah, so you have a of, good of horror, amount of material. And they were, yeah, they were horror based short, uh, short stories. Oh nice. So, yeah. I'm, How did your I'm program trying... feel about that? Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of MFA programs look down on genre fiction. You know, not all of them, but a good portion of them do. How did that yeah. turn out for you? Well, you know, I passed my defense and I was surprised. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised, but it, it was hard going. It was, yeah. it was hard going, but I made it. So are you glad you got an MFA? Yes, I am. Good, good. Yes, I am. I'm glad you got it too. Um, like I said, like I loved the story. I loved that you know you didn't go where everyone else goes with that story. And like I said, that final sentence, like you are really good with endings. I think, and like I'm so envious of that because I'm so terrible with endings. So I, I'm always <laughs> so impressed when I read a really good ending from a writer. So I hope that you keep submitting. And I hope someone is, you know, able to pick up your work. Um, have you submitted anything to FIA Literary Magazine? No, but I saw the uh, advertisement on Duotrope because mm-hmm. I, I have an account with them. And, and it looks so cool, but I don't have anything with the thing <laughs> in mind. Well, they every once in a while, they'll do an unthemed um, issue. So maybe next time there's an unthemed issue have something but they're also pretty loose on the themes you know like the interpretation of it is you know it doesn't have to be too precise so don't (laughs) self-reject okay i'll try not to i will try not to yeah i think they would love your work you know there's a lot of um overlap i think between what 
what we at Nightlight like and what Fire likes. So I think okay. I think that you would fit really well into that venue and you totally deserve to be published by someone as prestigious as they are for sure. Um, okay. So tell us what your favorite work of Black horror is, whether that's a movie, a book, a TV show, a web series, whatever. Or podcast. Oh, oh wow. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, Black horror. Oh, my gosh. You know what? When you say Black horror, you know what comes to mind is Blackula. I don't know why. <laughs> That's great, But it though. does. It is. It is. And um, I like Black horror. I have not, as far as movies or as fiction-wise, I haven't read as much Black horror, but I do read Black fiction because my mm -hmm. first favorite book was Octavia Butler's Pattern Master. Oh, I haven't read that one. I haven't even it heard is of that so one. I good. feel like bad that I haven't read it. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Pause, because I'm going to write this down real quick. <laughs> what was it called again? Pattern Master. Pattern Master. How do I not know about this? I'm ashamed. <laughs> yeah, because she did Wild Seed, Clay's Ark, and Pattern Master. And I don't think they're in that order that I said them. But yeah, that 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 is a awesome book. And I was turned on to it. I went to the library and I was just searching the 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 dime table, you know, when mm -hmm. they get ready to discontinue books and they put them on the dime table. It was there and the, the cover was so awesome looking. And I just picked it up. Yes, I do judge books by their cover. Everybody does. And if they don't admit it, then that's their problem because everybody absolutely does. You do. You do. Whether you do it consciously or not, you know, I think. Yes. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I think that, you know, okay, so I am a librarian by education. And, okay. you know, when you're helping kids pick out books, you know, the first thing they do is look at the cover and see if it looks interesting to them. You know, mm -hmm. like it. It doesn't matter how much you try to sell them on a book if the cover doesn't you know grip them and make them feel like it's something that they're interested in reading they're not going to really give it a chance and getting kids who are reluctant readers to read hinges so much on the cover of a book and you know a librarian or a teacher explaining what the book is about so we learn from a very young age to judge books by their cover because we know what we like to read to some degree yes. You know, yeah. at least we know what we don't like. And the cover helps us figure out, is this something that we could like or is it something that we wouldn't like? That is very true. Oh, also, uh, also another, it's a short story. Uh, I think it was in a book called Soul on Ice, but it's a short story called The Vampire Who Drinks Gospel Music. Oh, that sounds Peter amazing. Harris. Peter Harris. Peter Harris. Yes. That sounds really cool. And it's, it's uh, the story of, you know, kids in a movie theater and you have all of this dramatic irony because, you know, when you go to a horror movie, you mm -hmm. know, or if, if it's a Jason or, or Friday the 13th or whatever movie, the characters are doing things that you know that they're going to get killed and you, <laughs> you scream at the, at the movie screen. Right. And so, yeah, 
Yeah, it 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 kind of took me back to being, you know, in and I used to be afraid of horror movies too. Yeah. I was afraid of the dark and I was afraid of <laughs> And look at you now, writing things that scare people. <laughs> yes. The tables have turned. <laughs> right. but, but yeah, Octavia Butler was my first. Um I've read Marissa Conde. Uh she wrote about the Salem Witch Trials, and her book is called I Tatuba Black Witch of Salem. Oh, that's awesome. How did you find all of these? Like, did any of these come up in your MFA program, or is this just you browsing in bookstores? Or They were actually, uh, Marissa Conde came up, I think I took a women in literature class from Xavier University. Mm-hmm. And I took an African lit class because one of my favorite books from that class was um, Shaka mm-hmm. by Thomas Mofolo. Mm-hmm. And it had so much supernatural elements in it, you know, how he came into power and everything. It just inspired me. And so I started writing, you know, the supernatural fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if... Um as a black person who grew up in the south i feel like at least for me you know because i grew Mm -hmm. up in the south too that supernatural fiction has always kind of had my heart and i feel like a lot of that is because of the way i was raised in the culture here in the south you know this this gothic this idea of you know gothicism and you know everything around here being haunted you know like supposedly haunted and you know especially like you know black culture you know sphere of demons and bad spirits and things like that like i'm curious as to if you kind of feel that way too if you feel like that's influenced your love and um wanting to write supernatural fiction yeah (laughs) yes i mean i grew up with um my grandfather telling stories about i call them hanks (laughs) h-a-n-k-s yeah but it's actually spelled h-a-i-n-t-s yeah. And I don't know how I missed it, but he would tell stories about ghosts and, and well, he called them Hanks. Mm-hmm. My dad and, did too. Yeah. And the, the spirit realm. And then I took a class at Xavier and it was a African-American studies class. Mm-hmm. And the instructor talked about how the african-american or the black person is in touch with the ancestor yeah and yeah and then when i went to xavier they had a um a voodoo exhibit at the new orleans museum of art that sounds amazing okay i need to like see if there's one there now you do i hope well it may be still there I'll have to check it out. Pieces, but it was it was awesome. It was really really cool, and it talked about the ancestors and how you know how we would have wakes, Mm -hmm. you know, for the the departed to let them know that hey, it's okay for you to pass on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it made so much sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how much of, you know, again, I'm going to just say Southern Black culture because I'm not familiar with Northern Black culture and I don't want to, you know, anybody think I'm speaking for everybody here, but it's amazing Mm -hmm. how much of Southern Black culture is about, 
ancestors and appeasing spirits in some way or protecting yourself from spirits and you don't even necessarily realize that's what you're doing you know the whole like throwing salt over your shoulder you know things that yeah. you know they say are for good luck but like the root of it has something to do with you know bad energy bad spirits you know honoring your ancestors like you know when you get to the meat of why black southern people hold certain superstitions and why they do do certain things a lot of it does stem from wanting to honor ancestors and you know repel any bad spirits or keeping spirits from lingering here on earth after their physical bodies you know are are done um i i just think that's fascinating i really hope that that exhibit <laughs> or you know something like it is somewhere nearby at least like it'd be great if it's in new orleans i would love to take oh, a trip yes. there you know once once i get vaccinated <laughs> you know maybe not right now but i totally I understand there. that <laughs> um but yeah i mean i you know i've never been to new orleans it's you know it's somewhere that i've always wanted to go and i've never been there and you should i think it it's is. the first thing i'm gonna do as soon as i can be in the world <laughs> you know again like a you know fairly normal person anyway yeah um, new orleans is a mix is a mix it, it, it is a very cultural city because yeah. you have you have the the cultures they have retained their own identity mm -hmm. and so you know you can walk down the, the the french quarter and you can go to the voodoo museum and you see the voters for the catholic saints and the voters for the voodoo saints and yeah it's just yeah it's, it's a, a a nice it's a nice city to to visit. I mean, don't go now. Right. After you get back. To <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you you should you should make a trip. You will get inspired. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I would love to go out there, you know, just for like two weeks or something. You know, I take a week to explore mm -hmm. and then a week to just, you know, sit and write and you know, and still go explore a little, but you know, focus more on writing. Yeah. Than exploring. Like I think that would be I think I think that would be really great. I think some really great stuff would come out of that kind of trip, you know, for me as a writer, you know, but I think it would also, you know, fill my well personally, you know, spiritually, like, you know, just it, it, it would make me happy, you know, as a person. And I think it would help me as a writer as well. Oh yes. So yes. how can we support you as a writer? Well, I have a blog called eccentric cricket oh i like it and i put a few you know musings books i've read or books that i'm reading you know a few uh snippets of chapters of books or sh short stories or poetry i started writing poetry when i was mm -hmm. younger yeah so yeah I, I went from being a poet to a fiction writer <laughs> <laughs> I, you know i think i think that's a good thing though i think that a lot of times poetry makes us think about language in a different way. And then we take that mm -hmm. into our fiction writing and it makes it more vibrant and visual in nature because you have to do that as a poet, you know, it, poetry thrives on putting visuals in the reader's head. And I think yeah. you know, taking that and putting it in fiction writing makes the fiction more compelling. So where can we find this blog? Tell us what the address is so people can, can visit you there. All right. It's eccentriccricket.blogspot.com. Easy peasy. We can all remember that, but I will mm -hmm. make sure that it is in the show notes so people can just click on it and they don't even have to type it in. <laughs> awesome. Is there anything awesome. else awesome. that we can do to support you? Well, 
just you know go to the go to nightlight and listen to the story (laughs) (laughs) and if you you. like it you know cross on over to eccentric cricket and hopefully I will have more pieces out for you know for the readers and everything yeah yeah I hope so too because your work definitely deserves to be out there I think that um you know you're definitely a rising star in the genre and I cannot wait to see what you accomplish and what you do I can't wait to read more of your work and you know if you ever want to submit another horror story to Nightlight I'm not gonna be mad so you know what you think about that (laughs) you know I want you to get published elsewhere too because it'll help you you know build your readership you know I don't want to like hog all your stories but um I would absolutely love to publish more of your work for sure awesome 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 all right well thank you so much for joining me today i'm so thrilled to be able to talk to you and for our listeners out there we had to reschedule this um at least one time i feel like we rescheduled it twice i can't remember for sure um but yeah because of the ice storm that was here in texas i had to like cancel on you because i didn't have like reliable electricity and you know i didn't know like if i was going to be able to do it and i didn't want to you know just like poof and disappear and not um be around you know during during the thing so i appreciate your patience samantha's a really great person um i've loved working with her so far so y'all go out and support her because she's amazing you absolutely should thank you thank you thank you (laughs) again thank you so much for joining us um we will be back next week with another story and i hope that you if you haven't already listened to samantha's story that you will go back and listen to that as well The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.